Welcome to the IDP rankings for the week 16 show hosted on IDP Plus on the IDP Guys Network. I'm Steve Hungarter, as you guys know. I'm a writer over at the Fancy Sixpack. I'm also a writer on this network, as well as a ranker for Fancy Pros. But forget about me. My guest tonight is the one with the resume that you want to hear. As I've been alluding to all week, we have a special guest for you guys at home. Tonight, we are going to talk to former NFL great Stephen Wright. Steve has played offensive lineman for three great NFL franchises, the Dallas Cowboys, the then Baltimore Colts, which moved to Indianapolis, and the LA Raiders. Not only that, but he also had one year in the USFL with the Oakland Invaders. Steve's post-playing career was a, as a successful businessman and also a contestant on one of my favorite shows, Survivor Season 22. Uh, in fact, he had 31 days that he stayed out there. He outlasted on the show Survivor, 31 days. He's gonna put together all his experiences in his new book, uh, Aggressively Human. How you doing, Steve? Outstanding, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Great to be on here on IDP. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Now, Steve, you may not know this, I was uh, I was checking out your uh, your book the other day on Amazon, which is available now. Did you know you're the number one? It's the number one new. Oh, look at Jamie down there with the autograph copy. I'm jealous. Oh, but, but Steve, did you know you're the number one new? The new uh, publishing? I did not until my publisher uh, sent me an email and I my jaw dropped. Yeah, just super fortunate. It's the first and only book I'm writing. Um, it was a lot of fun writing it, dumping it all out. Um, a lot of great uh, lessons in there. Not tr it's not really a, a you should book or anything or telling anybody how to do it. It's just uh, how I lived my life and charged and treated people with respect. And, and mm -hmm. it, uh, it seemed to resonate with the Amazon world and everybody else. It's, uh, the sales are going great. A lot better than I thought they would be. Now, we're, we're here to discuss Steve's new book. But we're also going to share experiences and we're going to discuss IDP rankings. Um, Steve, question for you. What do you hope that our audience gains through the experiences that you have gained in your book? Um, one of the really big ones is, is treating people with respect. All people. Um, doesn't make a difference who you are. Uh, treat people with respect. And I've got a lot of stories in the book from treating people nice the doors swung open. It's how I landed the Summer Olympics in Atlanta <clears throat> with my business or treating this little kid uh, down at Box Studio, treating this kid nice and his mom was watching. Well, it turned out she's the head casting director for Amazing Race and, and Survivor. And she said, you are so cool, blah, blah, blah. Why don't you come try out? And so wow. I landed in Nicaragua. There's a lot of lot of stories in there. And one of my other big things that I'd love people to take away is go for it. Whatever it is, if a door opens up for you, uh, opportunity opens up, don't let this get in the way. If it feels good in your gut and your heart, like I got to I got to go. You know, I invited on different things. Uh, 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 NFL crews. So it turned out mm. three guys bailed out, and I was the only one had the time of my life, met a ton of connections. Whatever it is, just go for it. If the door opens up, figure it out on the way. I didn't know what I was doing when I started my business, um, but it uh, it just exploded, and it was just hanging on. But I, that would have never happened if I hadn't at least taken the opportunity to try something. 
for my younger audience that may not recognize Steve or maybe didn't get the opportunity to see his playing career, uh, a great introduction to Steve would be YouTube. There's a YouTube video out there of Tony Dorsett's 99-yard touchdown run. It's an It was an NFL record. Uh, Derrick Henry, uh, he broke it in 2018, but that thing stood forever. It was 99 and a half yards, actually. So check that out on YouTube. Um, also, for my audience that's on Spotify that's tuning in, all I'm doing is I'm showing slides of Steve, Steve's career. We're going over memories. Uh, but feel free to go to YouTube and look at that record-breaking run. Uh, Steve, was that your first play ever in the NFL? No, I was playing right guard there. Um, yeah. No, I that that's, that was late in the season. It was the first Monday night game at the Metrodome in Minneapolis. Oh, my right, goodness. Right behind me outside the, uh, the end zone there, uh, my parents and 30 of my family and neighbors and everybody else are sitting there on the third row up right behind us. So they had a beautiful view of it. That's late in the season. I was, uh, the Cowboys were pretty dominant. I think we finished the season 12 and four. So I got thrown in a lot of games in the fourth quarter. My real introduction was against Jack Youngblood. Uh, hey. I, ended up, I got two holding calls uh, in, in one quarter of play, but um, you know, throw the young boy in and, and let him fend for himself. Uh, I, I played quite a bit leading up to this. And I think maybe that's where the, the, the line coach had the faith in me. I was on the punt return at the kickoff return team there. We fumbled the ball. I was coming off the field, and my line coach met me halfway onto the field and get back out there and take right guard. The right guard lost his shoe on the on the kickoff return play. Oh wow. Yeah. So I just I mean, I'm I'm so nervous. And thank God it was a timeout. I ran on there and I got in the huddle with everybody. And if you got time for a quick, quick story, it's oh, it's, yeah. it's pretty remarkable. So I run out there and I'm getting in the huddle. And I'm looking around, and I got Tony Dorsett and Drew Pearson. And four years earlier, I'm in 10th grade at the old Met where the where this thing was, and sitting outside in the freezing cold when Drew Pearson caught the Hail Mary uh, to beat the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl. And I'm at the game, and I'm thinking, wow, is that Drew Pearson a cool dude? Four years later, I'm in the huddle with him on Monday Night Football. I had goosebumps you know, right now just thinking about it. Jamie was telling me offline because he has your book and he likes to brag and show me that he has your book. But Jamie was telling me that you're from Minnesota. How yeah. ironic is that? You're playing the Vikings. You got your yeah. family in back of you. Cutting loose. You made the block that actually made the play. I mean, how amazing is that? Yeah. You know, the story right. ended there. That's a story for the rest of your life. And you got yeah. plenty more to tell after that. That's 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 probably that's the that's the greatest moment, pretty much, of of my NFL career. Just being a part of that in Minnesota with my parents, twenty feet behind me, you know, maybe thirty feet behind me. I'm in the huddle, and I'm kind of doing this so the cameras can't see. Right. You know, I'm in the huddle, and it's just uh, all my buddies I grew up with. It was, uh, yeah. So um, I'm going to take the audience to my defensive lineman rankings for week 16. Um, real simple, this time of year, they're kind of the same as they've been. Of course, the matchups kind of change a little bit, but here's our usual suspects. Number one, I have TJ Watt playing the Bengals. Number two, I got Micah Parsons playing the Dolphins. Number three, I got Miles Garrett playing the Texans. Number four, I got Max Crosby playing the Chiefs. That's all tier one. Bumped down a little bit, but not a whole lot. I got Daniel Hunter, number five, playing the Lions. 
Number six, I got Nick Bosa playing the Ravens. Number seven, I got Hassan Reddick playing the Giants. Number eight, I got DeForest Buckner playing the Falcons. Number nine, I got Josh Allen playing the Bucks. When I get to tier three, all these names are, are still household names and pretty darn good. Number 10, I got Montez Sweat, matchup against the Cardinals. Number 11, I got Jonathan Greener, matchup against the Browns. Number 12, I got Justin Matabuke, matchup against the 49ers. Number 13, I got Bradley Chubb against the Cowboys. 14, we got Khalil Mack playing the Bills. Carl Granderson rounds out my top 15 defensive lineman. He's got a match against the Rams. And then I guess my bubble, Jamie, would be Sam Hubbard, number 16. Uh, Aaron Donald, 17. Brian Birds, 18. 19, Aiden Hutchinson, 20. Trey Hendrickson. Any rebuttals on that, Jamie? Uh, no, I think, I mean, you got Hubbard, Hutchinson. Uh, no, the only thing I can say, man, is I think you got Miles Garrett too low at three. That's because you're a Browns fan. That and uh, yeah, and greener, it's too high for you playing the Browns, you know. Um, and it's early in the week, that's what's so frustrating, Steve, about these rankings. Like, I do them on a Tuesday or Wednesday. By the time the week the games come around, they're all already moved around, guys have injuries. It's yeah. really crazy, but it's fun work doing. I um, bet. Um, question for you though, um, I know these are different kind of athletes, they're probably smaller and a little quicker in your day. You had guys coming at you, and you were blocking for guys the size of, you know, in the shape of a piano that could hit like a Mack truck. Um, nice. Just going back to your career, 83-94, you had guys like Reggie White out there, Bruce Smith, Kevin Green, right. Neil Smith, Ryan yeah. Bosworth, Lyle Izzato's second tour. Yeah. Um, even the co-Super Bowl MVP, Randy White. We love that name around here, Steve. Lawrence we, Taylor. Yes. Yeah, well, there you go. Get Lawrence Taylor, too. So my question to you was – you know, who was the toughest guy for you to block or maybe you scrimmaged against? Or do you have another name that's not on my list? Uh, well, I practiced every day against Howie Long. Um, mm. And so, yeah, he, he brought it every day. There was no messing around. On, on defensive day on Thursday, I had to give him a good look. And you give him a good look, you bang the first couple of steps hard, you get your head and your hands in the right position, you let off. And if you don't, you get a look. And then the third, second time, you, you know, you get a couple of words, and then our center, uh, Bill Lewis, he was the fifth-round draft pick from uh, Nebraska, big boy. Yeah. He told Howie to F off, and before you knew it, <laughs> before you knew it, Howie, stumped, Howie walked back to him, hit him underneath with a Mike Tyson uppercut, blew his helmet off, and he was out cold, kicked him in the face, and it was just like, holy crap. So Howie, it was a long day at the office every day. But I think that one of the, the bigger battles was always Bruce Smith. I played mm -hmm. uh, Reggie White once, and he was just a monster with his hump move. Um, you know, get you leaning one way and then just bring this club from hell and blow you off your feet and throw you like a <laughs> like a little kid. But Bruce Smith was a big nemesis. And, and then playing the Kansas City so many times, Neil Smith and I did not like each other. So it was a, it was a war, and it was always – we always get our ass kicked every time we went to Kansas City. But uh, it was just, you don't worry about everybody else. It's just you and the guy across from you, which was Neil or Derek Thomas uh, back when he was, you know, mm. still cooking. I forgot about Derek Thomas. Yeah. yeah fast. 
Um, you know, everyone, I bet most of our audience knows Howie Long, the announcer, the mild-mannered guy. No, he was a beast back in his day. Those Raiders teams are ferocious. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. going off that Howie Long uppercut, uh, the one thing <laughs> I learned from your book is like to separate work and play. And you mentioned that the very next day you see them, they were just talking, having a good time. Yeah. Uh, so like you separate what's on the field, off the field, and you guys are still good friends. You, ha you, have, to, you have to. If you're going to be a successful team or even if you're going to be a team, two guys, they can go ahead and fight on the field, but you cannot carry it into the locker room and distract everything. If that happens, I've seen it. One will, one will disappear. And so how he, how he got in a lot of trouble from uh, Al called him up. And so the rest of the season and beyond, you'd see how he just dying to strangle somebody in practice and he'd just have to back off and uh, it was killing him. You know, um, I have a question for you, Steve, um, yes. going back to your rookie year with the Cowboys. Uh, and I was thinking about you. Uh, hopefully this, this isn't out of line, but my, my question. Nothing is. Yep. Excellent. From 83 to 84, I'm uh, not 83 to 84. So you, you played for the Cowboys your, your rookie year. You were undrafted, 81, 82 rather, right? Right. The team you went into, it had Tom Landry as your coach. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Dicka as the assistant coach, tight ends yeah. coach. Yeah. You had players like Ed Tutal Jones. And I was saying earlier, people in the IDP community, we love Randy White. Co-Super Bowl Randy MVP. White. Don't yeah. see that too much anymore. Yeah, Randy White. Yeah. Um, going into that team as an undrafted free agent, I was thinking about you with this. You know, walk me through those memories or maybe this the oh, stress man. of trying to make the team America's right team and awesome. all the obstacles you probably went through. That, that's killer, Steve. This just that question and the passion you're asking, it actually I just got overwhelmed with with goosebumps. Serious. <laughs> um, so it still lives in me, but I was one of uh 120 free agents that tried Ooh. out that year. That's I don't know what they've cut it down to now, but back then they could bring in 120 free agents and three of us made it. I had five other roommates and over the course of the next probably month in training camp, they all disappeared. And what was pretty interesting, I didn't really realize that I really live in the present. Um, we would lay around in the room at night, you know, with the lights off and everybody's just talking and, these guys were worried about the upcoming uh, scrimmage we've got against the 49ers or somebody else. And they're always worried about something far down the line. I, as a free agent, because that, that same year, the number one and the number three draft pick were both offensive linemen. So for sure, I wasn't going to be on the team, but I was going to mm -hmm. fight like a dog. My thinking was if I get cut, if I can hang in here long enough, I'll end up on another team. But I didn't think that well, they're going to already have their teams formed. So it got down to nut cutting time and fought like hell and made the team. But yeah, just, yeah. But, but back to staying in the present is all I was worried about was tomorrow morning's practice, mm -hmm. not even afternoon practice. I know we have a lot of run blocking uh, hits, hit going on the next morning. That's all I thought about. I wasn't thinking about way ahead or problems I had a couple of days ago. It was staying present and it really, right. it really paid off. Cause I, I, I pretty was sure that I wasn't going to make it to the San Francisco scrimmage on Saturday. Every day they were cutting guys. And then pretty soon, man, I'm, I'm, I'm there and it got down to myself and a couple others. And yeah, it was, uh, it, it, uh, it, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And you were was, a survivor before you were ever even on that show. Yeah, big time. Big time, Steve.
Um, and you know what? This was a great team, too, that you went on. They yeah. were one win away from the Super Bowl, if memory serves. That's the Joe Montana yep. catch to Dwight Clark team. Yep. Like, you were, guys were right, right there. On. Here you are making it as undrafted rookie. That's unheard yeah. of. Yeah, I was uh, I was grabbing my buddy. We were 40 seconds away from going to the Super Bowl, and, Dwight, and uh, Montana rolled out right in front of our bench and threw this ball that we all knew was way too high. And we started just jumping up and down and these hands came out <laughs> of nowhere and caught it right over my other, my other free agent, Everson Walls. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Hey, um, so Tom Landry, uh, so let's see, this is, you know, early eighties, kind of an odd coach suit and tie with the hat and everything snappy dresser did he implement any of that in the locker room dress codes anything like that yeah big time another great question man yeah you always wore a suit and tie and it's no joke but if it was you know you're in bed at uh you're you're in your room at 10 o'clock um if it was 11 o'clock or something like that and you had to run down the hall to get a bucket of ice if you were staying up and having a drink or something like that you had to put your coat and tie on. Oh, you wow. could not be out in public without your coat and tie. Always on the plane. It was uh, always respectful. Um, the way you dressed, the way you acted, the way you treated hotel people. Yeah, they were they were on it. Yeah, it's Jamie, just you know, it's just, it's just working on the character. I would um, love to see that in modern day NFL. Don't I get know. Me that. Yeah, <laughs> sweats and everything else, and yeah, like military. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, so so after that, you went to the uh, then Baltimore Colts, the 1983-84, you went to the Colts, um, which which two things I kind of want to highlight it here. Um, Jamie, there's a great 30 for 30 film I was watching a while ago called The Band That Never Died. It just kept playing. Um, when that team left from Baltimore to the Colts, uh, mm -hmm. what were some of the experiences that that you could remember? It was a it, to me. It was just the smartest, greatest move ever that the Ursays did by just pulling out of there at night. We would have, you know, in in their old, uh, I can't remember the name of the stadium, but it would be maybe thirty percent filled, and they're booing us and everything else. So you know, they didn't care for us. Um, but just bolting out of there, and then so he goes from no crowd to getting into Indianapolis and paying $1 rent, I think, for the next 10 years, you know, it just, it created the opportunity to just pile in the money and, you know, bring in guys like, you know, Peyton Manning and so forth and win a Super Bowl. It was uh, that, you know, I was playing for Frank Cush, uh, which mm -hmm. sucked big time. He was the worst human. Uh, oh, really? He, yeah, he just didn't know how to deal with men. He would, you know, bark at boys, but uh, none of the coaches liked him either. I said, I, I, I kind of whispered to some of the coaches out of practice, like, God, I'd like to kick his ass. And they said, <laughs> if, you, if you do, we will turn around and look the other way. Oh, um, so it, he, made, he made it miserable. He had a thing. He was a long-distance runner. And so he would hmm. make us run on uh, uh, Mondays after the Sunday game. Even if you had a knee tweaked or some other injury, you had to go on this three-mile course, a mile and a half back into the woods, where he wow. would have the coach, coaches were lined up along the way and went at the 1.1-and-a-half-mile spot just to check your name off that you made it all that way. And so, you know, guys would be on crutches, and they would crutch the three miles and back. You know, it's just dumbass stuff. 
Yeah, um, you actually had a uh, interaction with Frank Cush years later. Uh, would you be interested in telling us a little bit about that? I'm not real. I'm not real proud of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, it was in the USFL, and I one of the big reasons I signed with the USFL was one for a lot bigger package, but also two to get away from Frank Cush. And then when I left, he left as well and coached the Arizona Wranglers, I think. Um, yeah, and I was passing him on the field one day and, uh, at a game, and I just loogie on his chest. Um, <laughs> I wasn't wasn't real proud of it. I kind of walked in. I went, why did I do that? You know, it was just I was intense. It was it was the it was game was just getting ready for kickoff, and and he never saw it coming and didn't see it and. Until he probably someone told him that hey, you're drooling on yourself. No, that was Steve Wright. Oh my goodness. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about with your time in Baltimore as well, you played guard a lot over there as well. Uh, you played what 10 games at guard, if I'm not mistaken. To be honest with you, I don't know, but yeah, I mean I played a little left tackle, played guard. guard. Um yeah. yeah, with the rate with the Raiders, I snapped the ball a few times. I had never done that. Um when when Don Mosbar would go down or have something wrong, they might. We actually got there. a question from the mailbag, and sure. what I wanted to do is, um, I wanted to kind of compare, you know, what it's like to be a guard to tackle ratio. But uh, Jamie, I don't know if you remember this one. We had a we had a comment a while ago. They were asking us about different techniques for mm -hmm. individual players, yep. and we kind of ran through this. I don't know if you remember this video. Who's that young guy down there in the corner, week six? Oh yeah. See how the season ages us so much. Um, so, so if I may, I'm going to go over the, the, the text and then maybe we can switch back to the offensive guys. Um, first thing, I guess when you can, can you see my screen? I yeah. can. Okay. You know, right over the center, if you see a defensive player right over them, he's playing the zero technique. You don't see Correct. that too much in the NFL nowadays, but generally that's the face to face on the center, the gap filler, I guess Ed Oliver would be a great example of this. Um, gets a lot of double teams um in between that i guess on the side if we were to shade that that would be the one technique and you know all of those are odd ends one three the five technique all the odds and then the guys that are playing on the guard the tackle that would be twos and fours so we got zero twos fours ones threes and fives but anything that's a one technique a three technique a five technique any one of those guys they're on the outside shoulder the offensive lineman Versus the twos and the fours, the twos and the fours, they'd be on the inside shoulder. Uh, Jamie, the one technique, uh, guys like Christian Wilkins come to mind. Guys like Grover Stewart come to mind. Um, two techniques. The fours Buckner, classic 4-3, two technique. Um, moving on to the three technique, which I kind of have circled right here. Classic Aaron Donald. Uh, Hargrove of the 49ers. Uh, guys like that, those are guys that are just, you know, rushing the tackle, the prominent. That's the position you want in IDP because a lot of running plays go that direction. So usually usually you'll see a lot of stuff defenders, especially in tackle-savvy formats, which is what we kind of score on this on this site, Steve, is tackle-heavy. A lot of those one, three, and five techniques get a lot of tackle points for us. Um, outside shoulder of the center, a lot of that runs off the guy who benefits, you know, run stuffers. Um, but you know, that's your zero technique. That's your two technique. That's your four technique. And that's your one, three, fives in between there. Um, I just want to graze this four technique real quick. Those are usually your, you know, three, four defensive ends too. 
Uh, line up on the outside shoulder. I would think of a Zach Allen type or Draymond Jones. Uh, Jamie, we have not talked this before, and I wanted to get this in this in this podcast. Do you know there's five techniques and there's seven techniques as well? I did not know that, no. Yeah, we didn't bring this no, up because we never really transitioned the linebacker last time. But five techniques are those hands-in-the-dirt kind of players, the 4-3 defensive ends, the Nick Bosa's, the Aiden Hutchinson's. Um, when you talk about six techniques, these are the guys, and this is the modern-day NFL for you, Steve. These are the edge rushers. These are the linebacker guys on the end, uh, the, the J.J. Watts of the world. Those are the guys that are scooping up tackles. Uh, when you look at my rankings, a six and a seven technique is whether or not there's a tight end on the side or not. But when you look at my rankings for linebacker, it's a little tricky because there's a bunch of guys in there that are uh, that are that are playing edge. They're not necessarily um, they're not. I mean, they're not necessarily linebackers or defensive ends. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. No, uh, let's hit it. Let's hit it real quick. For my linebacker rankings, I got number one Roquan Smith playing 49ers. Number two, I got Fosse Locon playing the Bucks. Number three, I got Bobby Wagner playing the Titans. Bump it down just a little bit. Zare Franklin's got competition with EJ Speed now, so I got him at four. He's playing the Falcons. Number five, I got TJ Edwards playing the Cardinals. Number six, I got Ernest Jones playing the Saints. Number seven, I got Fred Warner playing the Ravens. Number eight, I got Devin Lloyd playing the Bucks. Tier three rounds it out. All of these players are just as good, startable, tier one. Uh, but my tier three here, Alex Singleton, I got to rank him somehow playing the Patriots. Bobby O at 10, playing the Eagles. Number 11, good luck saying this name, Aziz al Sharir. I think I did it right. Seahawks. Number 12, Levante David, playing the Jaguars. Number 13, my man here in Minnesota, Ivan Pace Jr., playing the Lions. Number 14, C.J. Mosley. He's trending down, playing the Commanders. Number 15, I got Queen. So those are my top 15 on my bubble. I got Logan Wilson, Terrell Bernard, Nick Bolton at 18, TJ Watt himself at 19, Cody Barton at 20. Uh, Jamie, any rebuttals, any alibis on that uh, ranking? No, I could just see TJ Watt maybe being a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's pretty it's much so it. It's so hard with the edges. It's so like predictable, you know, unpredictable with those guys, whether or not they're going to get pressure or not. So, um. But yeah, those are my um, those are my rankings. Um, Steve, question for you though: You've played a lot of time at. I guess it's a two part question. You ha you played a lot of time at tackle. What are the differences preparing or even playing from tackle to guard? And I guess the follow up question would be: What are the differences between left guard and right guard? I guess compare and contrast. How are they compatible? Yeah, uh, I don't think that there's a whole lot of difference between left guard and right guard. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're just down in the mix there and shoulder to shoulder and, you know, looking for stunts and you're, you're, you know, banging shoulders, passing off, you know, Donald here as the other guy's coming around on a stunt. But out of the tackle, it's just a whole different ball game. That guy is so wide uh, in this, in this photo on 68. And if the, so you got a you got a crowd noise, you gotta have your eyes looking in at the ball mm. because that's that's what everybody's looking at. As soon as you see the center squeeze the ball or give some indication the ball's coming, man, your head is your eyes are snapping back, and you know you're gear, you're pretty much weighing more than the guy coming at you. You're running backwards, and he's got a full head of steam coming at you. It's, I can't imagine. You're, you're, yeah, you're on an island by yourself. Um, 
it's it's rough. You got to have perfect uh, uh, body position, your feet apart, you know, knees bent, arms out. Um, it's a uh, it's it's a whole different animal from from tackle to guard. Um, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, moving on with your career a little bit, you uh, let's talk those 87-93 LA Raiders. You played with guys like Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, Howie Long. Yeah. And I want to say it was it was Lyle Izato's second stint in the NFL, right? Right. He was trying out in 87 when mm -hmm. I when I got on the team. And he, since he had been out of football for half a dozen years, he had to go in with the rookies. And by the time the veterans got there, he was gone. So I did not even see oh. him there. Yeah, you were there seven years, and then and Bob Golick was there too. Jamie, I don't know if you know oh, who Bob Golick Bob. is. Yeah, Mike, that was, uh, uh, that's Mike Golick's brother. Brother, yeah. Yeah, successful TV career as well. But um, but but love, Steve, love I would Bob. love to be a fly in the wall in those team meetings. I bet you have some amazing stories in seven years just being with the Raiders and the reputation yeah. they had. Yeah, being being a fly in the locker room too. It was just uh, Golick and I and and Howie and a couple of the other offensive linemen. Yeah, we just sat in the corner. Um, you know, we would have our lunch and, you know, they're listening to music and just, it was, that's what you miss. You miss the camaraderie of just hanging out with the boys, not on the field, but in the locker room, a lot of shenanigans going on in there. And, um, you know, just, just good bonding. Once you get on the field, once you cross the line to get on the field, it's total business. There's no jacking around. Um, mm -hmm. you go out there and, and it's, it's every, every play is hard. And back then, you know, we're banging two and a half, two, two and a half hours every Wednesday and Thursday. Man, I couldn't imagine it. And then um, I found this photo. For the guys on Spotify, I'm just going through Steve's career. I'm showing pictures. I'm showing videos. Um, look at look at this. Look at these guys jacked up. Jamie, they were <laughs> men back then. I like that picture. That's a good one. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Like I was trying to figure out who, who you're blocking there. I don't know, but I was giving him a facial. <laughs> well, that was I, didn't, I didn't get I didn't get called for it, but man, look at that! I love that picture. You got back straight back. You got your knees bent, your legs spread apart, your hands. Jamie, up I sent high. that to your uh, Facebook if you want to look in your in your messages. But yeah, that's, I sent a, that that's, a, that's a good one. Steve Wisniewski there. Uh, this guy got around him. He, I I posted this, and he uh, got right back to me. What in the world did you put that? You post this for? <laughs> he's a he's a stud and that very rarely happened to steve hey, you're probably what 300 pounds in that picture yeah yeah 290 yeah well look at this picture i got of steve right here I, uh jamie look at this one look at look at all that hair where all that hair go huh <laughs> memories yeah high, high, high school and college man i had a big fro i, I used to keep my pick in it what you know, was your this what was just like this, this was the 70s, you mm -hmm. know. What was your playing weight? There uh was 260. Yeah, I think you listed at 257 if I yeah. yeah, and back then uh the line was smaller. We were you were fined if you were over 275. Herb Scott, one of our guards, had problems keeping his weight down. He'd hit 278, maybe 280, he'd get fined. So this is 1981, and then in 1983, the uh, Washington Redskins came out with the Hogs, 
And so they had, you know, the first 300 pounders. So everybody kind of started following that line. So from then on, man, I just started just trying to pack it on. That's a good point you brought up. Once upon a time, there wasn't 300 pound linemen. And if they did, they were very rare or they were right. fat and out of shape to all do laps, right? right? Jimmy Johnson, I want to say, brought that to the NFL. I think the, the, the 300 pound linemen craze. Well, I think it was before he got to the was NFL. It? He was still down, I think, with Miami. This was, uh, I don't, uh, I can see his face with the glasses. Uh, I, I just can't think of the coach's name. But the Redskins, the Redskins were Joe the Gibbs. Gibbs. Yeah, hey, it Gibbs. was. Yeah. You're right, Joe Gibbs, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just, I, I remember Jimmy doing it with, with all the players that he yeah. brought him. But Yeah, you're right, the Hogs were the first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, you didn't see that too often. Or same thing with nose tackles. You didn't see these big... They were, we were smaller. And like for, for Tony Dorsett, we, we didn't have to blow anybody off the wall. All you had to do is position. Just get your head on the right side and try to wall him off, and he was gone. There was no, you know, heavy pushing somebody. It was uh, just position and occupy him. I'm sure we can do a whole video on the pros and cons of just how the NFL has just gradually changed, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's amazing, the, these memories – um, I'm going to move on to one, uh, real oh. quick. Uh, oh, you were about 257, 260. Uh, that's around a tight end size right there. Did you ever yeah. consider playing a tight end? And have you ever played tight end? In, like, I was. I was a tight end uh, most of my time in college. And it's a funny story. So I go down to Dallas as a free agent and just, you know, one of the lower guys signed me. And so he didn't, we didn't have any conversation. I'd sign my contract. I show up in Dallas. Um, and we go out to uh, training camp and the first meeting tom landry's got you know whatever 150 of us in a room and then we split up and go to our position coach and i didn't know so i just walked off with mike ditka which i you know really liked and thought it was cool and followed uh, billy joe dupree and jay saldi and doug cosby and i'm sitting in the room there because i was thinking i'm gonna be a tight end with the cowboys and then the door swung open and my offensive line coach, Jim Myers, comes in and he's got his nose bent over the side and screaming at me. Right, goddamn it, what are you doing in here? You're a lineman. And so <laughs> I, I went from my my you know hopeful tight end to a lineman for the rest of my career. But when I was with the Raiders, I was I was always a tight end on short yards and goal line. I caught three passes. I think it was in Philadelphia. Um yeah, so I was I was used a lot as a tight end, but never throwing to me. I did catch a touchdown in the USFL as a tight end. Hmm. That was that was that was a position I really wanted to play, but I was quite content playing uh, anywhere. You know, just just an opportunity to play as a free agent. Yeah, because you were one of the faster guys. You ran like a four point eight five forty. Yeah, then I mean, yeah, I, I, I really good. Yeah, I had really good condition. Now, you know, one of the one of the drills was running. 10 40 yard dashes with very minimal break and i i excelled at the accumulative uh number of what, what that came to yeah so i was i was in smoke and shape hmm. so i'm going to move on to our uh, final category which is defensive backs uh full disclosure these guys are all like dart throws i mean literally um Every week I rank these guys, Steve. So, so basically, Fantasy Pros has me as the number four defensive lineman ranker, the number two linebacker ranker, the number go. twelve defensive back ranker. Which, again, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to really just throw them in there and sprinkle them. You'll see my tier one are kind of like 
any one of these top 12 can be a top tier one guy any given week. Uh, let me just show you the rankings. I'll share them with you guys. Number one is Antoine Winfield. Number two is Derwin James. Number three is Jesse Bates. Number four is Jaquan Brisker. Number five is Cameron Bynum. Number six is Cameron Curl. And I justify that because they play in that sweet spot role and they get a lot of tackles. Uh, number seven is Xavier McKinney. Number eight is Reed Blankenship. Number nine is Kevin Byert. Number 10 is Josh Metellus. Number 11 is Buda Baker. Number 12 is Kyle Hamilton. Number 13 is Dax Hill. 14 is Jalen Thompson. 15 is Julian Blackman. And of course, you always have uh, Kyle Duger, Nate Hobbs, Jordan Battle, uh, Jalen Petrie, all on my bubble. But any one of those guys could explode at any given time. Um, it's so hard, Steve. It's actually frustrating to me trying to get defensive backs right. Because they're literally the survivor. They're the last line of defense. They're the survivors on the battlefield. They're the last guys on the field to actually go and catch a tackle, to go and get guys. So they're survivors back there in the, in the secondary. They're on an island by themselves, which leads me to a couple questions about you, Steve. You were a survivor. You were on an island. You were on Survivor <laughs> Season 22. See what I did yeah. there? I transitioned. That was smooth, man. I tried. I was thinking okay. in my head as we were talking. <laughs> But look at these pictures for the audience on Spotify. I'm pulling up some of Steve's uh, highlights, Survivor Season 22, and he made it. He made it far in the game. You were one of the you were the one of the last men standing at standing your tribe, and it was an all star season. Um, for anybody who's not aware of Survivor, um, it's a show. It's a show that. Um, well, actually, um, I'll let Steve tell it. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, what what is your Survivor? Just in this picture. You know, mm -hmm. the picture on the left there with all my muscles. That's how I started the game. The picture on the far right. Man, you see my clavicles. <laughs> all I'm thinking about is food. Yeah, <laughs> it was miserable. Pardon me, but tell me your question. What is your question? Oh, I just wanted to know, you know, as far as being on that show. Yeah. Um, what was your like, what was your, uh, what was your fondest memories? And did your NFL career help you like in the game at all like how did you how did you what was your game plan like how did you survive as long as you did uh, uh, uh did, did any of your personal background help you through the game yeah i think you know just just being a team player and letting these guys know that girl next to me i can't think of her name but you know just just my crew just just being friendly to them um you know, going with gut instinct of, of if anybody's got their, their eye on you to, to cut you out. Um, it was the fond memories. I, uh, there really wasn't a lot of fond memories from, cause you're, you're constantly starving. It's, uh, we hit the, we hit the Island in a helicopter and the game started. And as we were putting together our, uh, our hut for where we are sleeping, you know, uh, bed just really realized that man there's nothing else to eat for the rest of the night or tomorrow or the rest of the week or the following week you know it's just it's a slap of reality it's it's brutal it's 100 real um they called me a couple years after i got through and uh, asked if i wanted to come back and not a chance because when i got back uh my front tooth was bothering me before i went and saw my parents flew over to see them 
So I went to the dentist and he took an x-ray and just said, wow, he's never seen so much bacteria. We're going to pull that front tooth right now. And I went, wait a minute, that's my front tooth. You're not going to pull that. And so I show up at my parents' house weighing 33 pounds lighter and missing a front tooth. And they're just going, man, what, what are you getting into over there in Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah, season 22, I, I, I remember it well. I, I was very fond of it. Uh, I watched these episodes with my daughter. Um, I was asking Steve offline before we started airing, like the stuff we see on TV, because Steve was on like the minority tribe, but he had all the rice and they didn't have anything, but they're the majority getting ready to kick people out. I'm like, is this stuff made up, Steve, or is this improv? No, it's 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 100 it's 100 real. Everybody asked wow. me that. And, you know, what's really funny is I had I had a long, nice 11 year NFL career. Nobody recognized me from that. I'll have people say, "Hey, weren't you on Survivor in the grocery store?" It's like, oh my god, yeah, it's it's such a big show. Um, yeah, it's uh, um, I forgot where I was going with that thought, but um, yeah, it was just uh, it was uh, it was great. I'm glad I glad I did it. That was one of those things I talked about at the beginning. Um, I got an offer to 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 be on the show. I'd never seen it. I thought shit, I, I'm never gonna. I would have killed me if I would have said no. Let me think about it and drive home. Just you know, then I can't get back a hold of the, the casting director, and so I just said, "Yeah," had no idea what I was doing. I'd never seen the show. Do you go to the? Um, I guess what I guess at the end of every they do like the the ceremonies, right? The, the reunion shows. Do you ever go they, to any of those? I don't. I would do, you have to be invited to those. Oh. They're in. The, mine was in New York. Um, yeah, and that's where Philip. Uh, Philip and I had a disagreement, and Philip stood up there and he apologized for. Uh, you know, going racial on me, um, which, you know, it was, it was awesome. And we did a little half hug and handshake and on with our lives. Um, there you go. Yeah. Um, you, you, uh, you run T I think I've seen you on TV a couple of times this year with the, with the Raiders, right? You get to go, you get to go to those reunions. I do. Right? Yeah. The, the Raiders are like no other team, um, that I know of. Uh, we get, we get, they get a flight, um, hotel food, um entertainment they take us to the game killer killer seats we're all together we're all eating together and you know packed up at the end of the stadium there and i think they call it the black hole yeah the raiders have been remarkable every single year since i retired get a call from them and you come in this year and you know i'm back there with two three hundred other guys they're a spectacular organization once a raider always a raider that's amazing and yeah. um I was wondering, uh, Jamie, do you have any thoughts on his survivor? Any questions in here? Uh, well, I know you were you're more of an intelligent football player. Uh, you didn't just use your muscles; you used your brain. Uh, was there any like kind of sneaky things you had to do to survive in a show? In Survivor? Yeah, in a Survivor show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming you were a lot smarter than well. Almost yeah, all it was like it just I mean, it's little you know silly things like Russell. Um, Russell Gantz or whatever his name was, the, Russell, the, yeah, the, the little turd that we voted <laughs> off. Um, yeah, he was, he was, he was not right, but yeah. So I just came up with a babysitter system that whenever a bunch of us would head to the water to sit in the water to cool off and kill time during the day or go somewhere, he had we we put it on him. We put a babysitter on him. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So, Jamie, I don't know if you watch Survivor, but there's a killer move early on when, when when Steve's tribe 
decides to vote out Russell because they don't want to deal with his nonsense. And if anybody doesn't watch Survivor, I highly advise you to check these episodes out. Um, what they did was they they kind of Steve made a trick when he went to the first um, when he when he went to Redemption Island. He lied to Russell and told him that the girl was there and it was actually the guy. So when he went there, he was totally off guard. I thought that was a genius move, Steve. You just got to do something and just, you know, you just kind of wing it and make something up and make them question and startle them. And yeah, it's a, it's, it's a mind game as much as anything else. Mind and just your emotions, you're, you know, you're drained, you're, um, you know, drinking crummy water, you're dying for something to eat. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a brutal game and I think that's why it's been around for 45 seasons. It's it's real. It's uh it's an it's an awesome game. I'm so fortunate to have been a part of it. You know, um we got a couple minutes here. We're, we're actually uh, a little bit ahead of schedule. Um we talked about all the the adventures that you've been on in your life, Steve, from football to TV shows. But uh, tell us about your successful business, too. I understand you're an inventor. Um, well, kind of one of my, my, my prizes was the sideline misting system, the misting fans. You see cool in the NFL sidelines. I brought that to the NFL in 1990 or 89. Um, talked to Art Shell. I, I saw the system blowing over in uh, Palm Springs, at a, uh, all cooling all the patrons off. And... Um, put put together a system on the sidelines and it turned into just a huge home run it was early august preseason game there wasn't a breath of air stirring and it just kind of launched and then uh one of the ball boys gave me a business card said some guys from hollywood park are sitting right behind here and they want to talk to you before you leave the field so i actually had my first business meeting in my full uniform after a game went over there and installed a bunch of systems in the off season and then it, one thing kind of led to another is just uh, um, cooling the 96 Summer Olympics, uh, had misting fans on the aircraft carrier in the Persian Gulf. Um, where else? Uh, so then that was the, our high pressure system. And then we made a low pressure system that uh, we sold at over 1,500 Home Depots and Lowe's and Costco's and Targets and you just screw it into your faucet outside and tap it up along your patio and keep a little mist going. And so that was, that was kind of my pride and joy. I kept that and I sold it to my partner um, in around 2000. I just invented a, I got a patent on a toilet. We were, my wife and I were traveling around the world and we were in Indonesia and, you know, in Indonesia, they, they squat to do their thing. Uh, and just use a hole in the ground. It's kind of funky, but it's, you know, it's a function that we all have to do. Your wife writes books as well. She does. Yeah. She's, she wrote it with me. Uh, her next book, she's right in the middle of it right now is writing Todd Marinovich's story with him, his memoir and his words. Everybody goes right to the, Oh my God, he's such a right. mess. Uh, why is he a mess? And I forgot how, how, how did he become, how did he become that? How do you, how do you, mm-hmm. you know, it was, more than anything, it's got me really uh, empathetic and compassionate to his uh, his addiction. Um, his addiction was so strong, and I just have never really looked at you know I've, I've looked at people that you know whatever an alcoholic or um, somebody that's you know had a lot of drug use, and you go, man, you stupid idiot. Well, no, it, it's not their fault. They're addicted, you know, and the addiction thing is so powerful that I. That's really- another. 
That's another 30 for 30. If you ever get a chance, Jamie, check out the Todd Morenovich story, what, 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 what Steve's talking about. Yeah. Yep. And then my wife, Lizzie, she's going to straighten a lot of that out. Um, she talked to him yesterday for a couple hours. She does it every Tuesday. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable. It's, you know, he was my teammate for two years and she knows so much more about him than I do. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a great story. Yeah. She's, it was, it was awesome doing it with my partner. Terrific stuff. Um, and so, you know, the guys over at the IDP uh, Plus, uh, they, they've been begging for, to, for me to ask you this all week. What we do, uh, we do this IDP Guys Invitational. We have like over 300, 300 plus fantasy teams, and it's all for a good cause. It's all the win charity. It's all the combat autism, you know, um, autism awareness. Um, we do it every year. Um, we were hoping that maybe, you know, you, you know, you can, you can either, you know, join, join with us, join a league next year, or even if not, maybe just help us, help us promote the cause, sure. uh, you know, upcoming seasons and what have you, because all we are is extension one each other, you know, to make each other, make each other better. Sounds super worthy, man. Mm-hmm. Um, love to help out. Yeah. We've got a, a charity that we've been just all in on called global giving, um, collecting used sports equipment and sending it around the world. We're in, I don't know, 35 countries or something like that and helping a million kids. IDP, the, the autism thing sounds great. Love to be a part of it. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, we'll send you a league. Jamie, you play in that league, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's my first year playing. Pretty, pretty good fun there. Yeah. Oh, good times. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of traveling, um, you said you went to Indonesia. Uh, I know in the early 90s, you actually went to travel around Europe promoting yep. a Madden game. One of the first Madden games, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I played Madden since the early '90s on my Sega Genesis, uh, but before we had Madden, we had uh, Techno Bowl. Yeah. And then it yeah. released Techno Bowl. Did yeah. you know you were on the roster? And the- I can't believe that I really? about died when I, when I saw that little thing buzzing along. Play the game when you were. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Back, back in the day when it first came out, yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was fun being a part of fun representing Madden. Yeah. We traveled around through Europe um, playing the game a lot, you know, in malls with a few thousand people. And um, I went with Bob Golick and Steve Berline and a couple of other guys. Yeah. Just uh, living it, man. It was, it was just an awesome trip through France and I forgot or else, but uh, about four or five different countries. Yeah. It was, Awesome time. Nice. Jamie, do you have any other questions for Steve? Because I'm all out. He answered everything brilliantly. You're I mean, like I, a time capsule. I can ask questions all day, man, but I'm not going to bother. All I got to say is, everyone, you need to go read his book. Uh, it's super entertaining. Uh, I mean, I, I read it daily on my lunch breaks. Um, I bought the Kindle version. I also have the hard copy right here. So nice. Go ahead and support him, buy his book, and I guarantee you're you're gonna find some great, great, fun stories in it. Like I'm not gonna get into it, but the white linen pants. Oh <laughs> man! <laughs> like you're gonna have to go read the book to find out what yeah. we're talking about there. But it's it's a hoot, man. Yeah, and, a lot, and, of, and lot get... of fun stuff. I've, I've been I've been fortunate, and I just kind of wanted to share. And you know, and the self deprecation thing is fun. I've you know I'm not bigger than anybody else. You know, it's issues we all go through, and 
um, just wanted to share mine. And it's so nice. It's so nice to have you on. It's so refreshing to see that you're living your best life. You're living your Thank dream you. in a positive way. You're promoting growth. Right um, I guess I'm just going to leave you with two more questions here. The first one, uh, tell the audience where they can find you. The best place would be writeauthor.com. Um, I've got all my uh, social media handles in there. I actually got them down here on the screen. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's got a lot of all my blogs I've been doing for the last half a year and lots of photos uh, scrolling through those, you know, bow and, you know, game game stuff. Um, that'd be the that'd be the best place to find me. And then if you know, I've, I've got books here, too. If you want to um, DM me at one of those places and I'd love to personalize a book for you. Excellent. I'll, I'll mail it out. I'm going to hold I'm going to take you up on that one. Um, cool. And then, Steve, my final question, I know I asked you in the beginning of the episode, what do you hope the audience uh, takes from your book? But but I'm going to go a little deeper here. Uh, Steve, what do you hope, you know, putting all this, I guess, you know, uh, mind mapping vision quest, you know, putting this uh, putting this from pen from your hand for your mind on paper. What do you hope that the audience out there, even people that don't watch football, particularly, what do you hope that the audience gains and learns from your new book? Um. Just that we're humans too, uh, not just big beef machines. Um, we've got heart, we've got compassion, and that's that's the that's the angle I'm I'm really want to uh, express more than almost anything is uh, is just the humanity that we that we all have. You know, families, and you see, you know, you see us on social media or. Um, on the field, it's a completely different person than than what we really are. You know, you might see some guy that's just a total asshole on the field. Well, he's he's that's his job. You know, get away from that. He's probably a tender, loving father. Um, yeah, just that we're all all real human beings, and uh, um, just uh, you know, I think it, for all of us, just be be the change you want to see is one of my big mottos and then be strong enough to be kind mm -hmm. uh, be, be cool with each other listen to each other let someone in the traffic in front of you you know don't snap um life is too short life is too wonderful um help be there for each other Amen team it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a team of this world you know and look out for each other's team look out for your teammates the rest of you know your community and just be cool I wonder, you know, and we, we talked about Todd Maravich. I totally forgot the name. So thanks for bringing that in there. Uh, Lyle Izato, uh, Howie. I mean, we talked about struggle, you know, mental health awareness, you know, uh, everything, just different, different ways. And I, I wonder how much of that goes into your book. So I'm kind of myself. I'm very interested. I think that me as a person to grow, I'm pretty much interested in your book as well. So I will be definitely reaching out to you, maybe for an autographed copy. Beautiful. Maybe. Love to. Love to send one to you and anybody else that wants one. Excellent. Jamie, any closing thoughts? I uh, know it's just grateful having me on your IDP podcast. Uh, I'm grateful for both of you. An honor to be here with Steve. Uh, I mean, you, you've been awesome, man. And I'm highly enjoying your book. Thank you. You guys and, have both uh, been great. I appreciate your time, Steve. Thanks for having me on IDP. And, and uh, Jamie, you're the best too, buddy. Thank you. I'll look forward for your next book and hopefully you'll come back out and... Uh, Guys in the audience, you can follow Steve. Like I said, he's on he's on writeauthor.com, um, Facebook, Aggressively Human, uh, LinkedIn as well. He, you know, he's out there. He's out there on Amazon uh, uh, getting these books out there. So please 
please give Steve a like and follow. Merry um, Christmas, we'll everybody. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas and happy holidays. Same to you as well. Uh, we're going to end the show a little early tonight. Um, take care. Cheers. Cheers.